Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and partner at Brody Thorning LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In today's edition, uh, we're talking about the importance of rediscovering yourself after divorce. And this is a really, really important topic because I've found so many people, you know, in their marriage lose themselves. And when they go through a separation or divorce, they have to reconnect with who they were as a single person because after so many years as a couple, they've almost lost that identity. So I think this is a really, really important topic. And I'm so excited to be joined today by Jennifer Butler. Jennifer is an MSW in a certified calling in the one coach, health coach, writer, and podcast host dedicated to helping people fall deeply in love with themselves and awaken to their internal power to create joy, love, and freedom in their lives. Beyond an extensive education, Jennifer has experienced her own powerful transformation, overcoming obstacles that inform her work. As a love and transformation coach, she teaches clients to identify and transform internal obstacles and expand their capacity to love and be loved so they can create happy and healthy relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you can, that you're here and, um, you know, the type of coaching you do is so helpful, I think, for, for so many people that I can see how it would especially be helpful for people going through separation and divorce. Do you have a lot of clientele that like fall into that category? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was by accident or, you know, it just happened, but that is my, my niche, I guess, you know, is women um, either presently going through a divorce or separation or just a really intense breakup um, or even women who have gone through something and don't may, may not even realize it, but are still kind of stuck in it or it's, it's holding them back in some way. Um, so yeah, I, I, that is absolutely sort of my lane. And what would you say is the importance of self-discovery after a divorce or why is that important? Well, I think you mentioned and you're spot on. I mean, I, I hear from everyone and even, you know, in my own personal story of my own divorce, um, you know, I had that moment when I looked in the mirror and the person staring back at me was a complete stranger. And I know I'm not the only one who has had that moment. Um, and so I think in sometimes in marriage, we really do lose ourselves. And then, you know, you come out of marriage and the, the things that you did have that you did relate to being a wife, being married, you know, maybe being a homeowner, whatever those were, they're gone. And so, you know, for me, there was this emptiness and it was scary. It was very unsettling and, and really just terrifying. And so the importance is really, I think, not in trying to reconnect with who you were in so much as allowing yourself to um, create the future that really you desire, you know, that really lights you up, that is, uh, reflects who you are now. Um, so that you can, you know, just live the, a, a full life. Yes, that's so important to be able to turn it into a positive. 
Um, one of the things I found in my own divorce and that I see with a lot of clients and just even friends and whatnot um, is particularly women who are mothers. So, you know, right. they're getting a divorce and they have children. I find often when we take on that mother identity, all of our other identities kind of go out the window so much. And um, I find when someone's, you know, going through a divorce and they've been a wife and a mother, um, and really those have been their identities, it's especially difficult, um, especially if you're somebody who's like a lot of my clients are, you know, middle-aged when they're going through divorce. So their children might be older and they're they're at university or something. So the children aren't home, they're getting a divorce. And so all of their identities are kind of out the window and they really have no idea who they are. Yeah. Have you found that with some of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even with younger, like, you know, my son was three when, when um, his father and I divorced. And yeah, I mean, but you know, that, that sort of emptiness as, as scary as it can be, as, um, you know, just painful as it can be, it is also this beautiful place to be because there's this blank slate, right? There's this sort of quote unquote, you could say rock bottom, right? Where you really can start to build in a very conscious and intentional way and um, create an alignment with yourself rather than sort of having these roles imposed upon us, which I think sometimes happens, right? Like we become a mom. And so we take that on, we become a wife, we take that on. Whereas when you're kind of at that space of like nothingness, it's like, okay, now I can create, like now I can intentionally be who I want to be and find my way to that. Exactly. So what tips or advice do you have for somebody who wants to do that and they don't even know where to begin? Yeah, yeah. I know it's definitely this moment where it's like, okay, what do I do? Like, how do I even start? And, you know, a few things. I, um, as you as you read before, I'm a um, calling in the one coach and trained by Maybe Pat- you can explain what yeah. that is too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a, a method of coaching created by Catherine Woodward Thomas. And she created it, well, she wrote a book called Calling in the One about almost 20 years ago. And she wrote the book because she wanted to call in um, a partner, have a child. And she really wrote this book about how to create an intention for your life and then live into that intention. And that method was so powerful, not only for herself, but for, you know, the thousands and thousands of people who read the book that she created a coaching method around it. And that coaching method is used, I use it with um, clients, both who are looking to event, you know, to call in a partner, but also, and this is the big piece, looking to call in themselves. Um, And especially with women after a breakup or divorce, we're really trying to call ourselves in. Who are we? How do we anchor into that self-worth? How do we fall so deeply in love with ourselves that we really can build and create this life and really know who we are and what we desire? So in that method, there's a few key components, and um, I think they're essential in in, uh, really learning who you are again. 
And the first one is really creating this bold intention. And it's, it's really sitting with yourself and determining, you know, what am I going to stand for? What is this intention that I desire to live into in the future? And creating an intention that is, you know, it's future focused, but it's a little scary, right? It's like, hmm, like, I want that. I'm not so sure it's possible, but I, you know, I really am feeling pulled toward that. And, and setting that intention for yourself so that it can be your guiding light, so that it can be your why, in a sense, your North Star that kind of pulls you forward as you go through the process of self-discovery. Now, is there um, a timing piece to this? Like, like should, if somebody you know, is newly separated, like I find even just in my own clients, um, I'm often dealing with them, of course, when they're at the height of the stress and that they're not, they have really not done any healing at all because they're in the throes of separation and divorce mm-hmm. for someone to go through the process of, you know, calling in the one and, and reconnecting with who they are. Do they need to have done a certain amount of healing first or can they really start um, at that point? Well, there's a couple things to that. Um, you know, I believe that grief, is grief is grief, right? And we have to allow ourselves to grieve. And, you know, the transition out of a marriage is, is, you know, it can be traumatic, it's painful, it's devastating. There's so many parts of ourselves that need to process all of the change and the pain and all of it, right? And so I truly believe that there's this space that we just need to allow ourselves to go through the grieving process, whatever that looks like for us. Um, Another method that I use, which is also, uh, which I've also been trained in, and I'm just finishing up the certification now with Catherine is conscious uncoupling. And that is probably the method of coaching I, I use with Um, clients who are in the process, who are currently going through it, are in that heightened stress moment. Um, I I would really encourage my clients to do the work there, really uncoupling from the the coupleship um, before doing any of the sort of calling in themselves, self-discovery type work, and especially before calling in a partner. (laughs) (laughs) makes sense yeah Uh, a lot of people come out of uh, a marriage too and especially obviously if they're getting a if they're separated or divorced the the marriage you know didn't work out and so their confidence can be you know particularly low um, and you know as a result they're really kind of uncertain of themselves and decisions they're making Um, what advice do you have for people you know that are feeling that way Yeah, you know, I think the biggest sort of thing with that is learning how to trust ourselves again. I think sometimes when we come out of like a a relationship that hasn't worked out, um, we have a really hard time not only, you know, trusting other people, but we start to really have a hard time trusting ourselves, our judgment, our perspective, right? Even our intuition. So I think that learning how to trust yourself again is a really big piece of that, that sort of uh, that puzzle. Um, And the question that I 
would guide my clients to really kind of play with and reflect on is standing in this question of how have I been or how am I the source of what I've created? So really kind of standing in this place of taking personal responsibility for the ways they showed up. You know, we all kind of sit afterwards and go, oh, right, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really saying how I really felt in this marriage. Or I was always, you know, trying to pick up the pieces and make sure everybody else was happy, but I guess I really wasn't. You know, when we start to own those things and start to really stand in our truth, then we can start to make changes in our lives and start living in integrity with ourselves. And I think those are sort of those first steps towards trusting our, our own um, intuition, our own judgment, our own perspective. It's like we can trust ourselves, then we can start trusting others. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, and just and as you mentioned, taking ownership of our own role in why our marriage didn't work out because, yeah. you know, we all know it takes two, um, you know, nobody's perfect. And um, I mean, even if I, I always say, and I, you know, even if you were in an abusive um, marriage, while I'm not blaming um, the, the person who was a victim, um, there's still behaviors that that person engaged in that made them vulnerable to, you know, being treated the way that they were. So they need to, you know, take, uh, take ownership of that piece so that they can heal and, you know, not find themselves in another abusive relationship. Um, yeah. So I, I totally agree that learning about, you know, what mistakes you might've made or what, how you contributed uh, to the downfall of the marriage is, is so important. I agree so much. You know, when I look back even at my own <laughs> divorce and kind of, God, there was so much pain and so many things I needed to heal from. But now that I'm so far removed from it, when I reflect on it, I think the, the most difficult piece and the most freeing piece was exactly that, was that moment when I was finally able to really look at myself and see the way that I had abandoned myself, the way I had turned my back on myself, the way I hadn't listened to my intuition, like all these ways that I had basically chosen everything other than me over me um, right. and wasn't able to kind of blame my ex or, you know, whatever, kind of put it somewhere else, but really just standing in and without shame, right? Without blame, without fault. It's not about any of that. It's really about saying, okay, well, this is how I showed up. And now I am going to make sure I never show up that way again, because I don't ever want to recreate. This. Exactly. And I don't know if you saw the movie Marriage Story, but the, the female, you know, the wife in that movie, it was kind of that situation where she, she felt like she was always compromising to the husband, um, but she didn't really speak up um and so he didn't realize how much it was you know bothering her and then her resentment was growing and growing and then they end up getting divorced and i think you know that seems to happen with a lot of women i think that you know in, we're so by nature so many of us are so giving and nurturing mm -hmm. and wanting to take care of everyone else bef before ourselves we we do that but then when we leave our own glass empty or our own cup empty 
you know, we start to resent, um, but often we're not, you know, asking for our needs to be met or we're not, you know, I always say like, if I don't take care of me, no one else is going to, and I can't blame other people for that. And I think a lot of people need to, especially women need to to understand and and learn that because often we're not raised that way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I feel like as women, we're often raised like self-sacrifice, right? Like, you're a yeah. better woman, a better mother if you sacrifice yourself, if you put yourself last. And none of that is true. You know, when I am a firm believer that when we're willing to put ourselves first and really make our own joy a priority and loving ourselves a priority, we are better mothers. We are better wives. We're better friends. Like, we have the capacity to do so much when we truly invest in our own well-being. I totally agree. I mean, you know, a happy mom or a happy wife, a happy person is going to be, you know, at their best and show up for other people and show up in the relationships at their best. And, you know, it took me years to understand that too. I mean, I used to kind Mm -hmm. of think that self-care was selfish and, um, you know, and on that note, how important do you believe self-care and self-love are after a divorce? So important. I mean, that's always important, right? But especially after a divorce when you're just, gosh, you're feeling, it's, it's an interesting thing, I think, because divorce is so prevalent, yet when you're going through it, you feel like, you feel so alone. You feel like yeah. you're the only person in the world going through it. And in some ways, you do have to go through it alone, right? In some ways, you, you really do have to sort of process and walk that path of your own unique experience. And for that reason, you know, investing in yourself and, and giving yourself the love that you, that you specifically need, you know, not every single person needs the same things. And like you said, you know, I, I didn't even know I really had needs <laughs> until, <laughs> until after my divorce. So, you know, learning that I actually had needs and not only that I had them, but I could meet them. Like if I needed affection, I could give myself affection or I could ask for it, you know, yeah. just all of these things. And so when you're going through a divorce, you know, spending the time to really love on yourself, give yourself grace, kindness, non-judgment. Um, and then, you know, of course, the, the sort of foo-foo things like <laughs> massages and that kind of stuff and baths, but it's not just that, right? It's, it's taking the time to you know, evaluate your life. And are you in, um, do you have relationships in your life that are nourishing or are they depleting you, right? Are you um, investing in your growth and, and learning how to, and making sure your boundaries are nice and healthy and clear? All of that is self-love and self-care. Um, so important, you know, in that time. What advice do you have for somebody who has generally lacked boundaries, um, you know, in their life, in their relationships? How do you go from being someone who, you know, isn't used to setting those boundaries and is uncomfortable with doing that to learning to set healthy boundaries and be okay with that? Yeah, you know, boundaries are are funny to me because I, I know that I used to kind of think of them in this way as like walls, I guess. You know, it's like you kind of set up these structures or rules that people need to sort of obey or follow or, or not come through, right? 
And I think when we think of it that way, and I know I have a, cl- a lot of clients that struggle with boundaries and they have that same sort of thinking, like they just feel aggressive in some way. And I think when we think of boundaries that way, it can be, you know, it can be not only hard to set them, but you can kind of have like pushback from it. Like you don't want to. Um, for me, what I really feel boundaries are is just, you know, first of all, they're, they're, they're flexible, right? They are, um, they're, clear, they're healthy, and they're set up so that people know how to love us better, so that we can love others better. So um, really living in alignment with yourself, right? Being able to know your own feelings and needs and then live according to that in a very rooted way to me is how you are able to then create boundaries, which really look like, well, if I don't feel like doing something, I either say no or I negotiate for myself, right? That's a boundary. Or, um, you know, I'm clear about how I feel. I'm clear about what I need. I don't hold it back and wait until I kind of erupt, right? So that's kind of how I see boundaries, which I think is a little bit different than like, you know, kind of those rules, I guess. Yeah, I, I, the word boundary even sounds like a wall, it, you know, yeah. itself, but it really, it really doesn't have to be, or, it, you know, that's only a small part of maybe what it is. What sorts of internal obstacles do you see showing up in clients that are, you know, going through separation and divorce that, that they need to work through? One is a, one big one you already mentioned, which is resentment. You know, resentment is such a big obstacle and such a huge block to love, you know, to being loved and to being able to love. Um, I know that, you know, for me and, and I know for a lot of my clients, when we go through pain, especially heartbreak, the, the tendency is to like get smaller, right? To protect ourselves, to almost shrink sometimes or put up a wall or guard. And I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, while we're grieving, we might want to self-protect, but the, you know, divorce going through the heartbreak, the result really can be expansion. It can be that this, you know, challenging life situation actually makes you bigger and, and more expansive and able to love more. And resentment, I think if you don't work through resentment is one of those things that kind of keeps us small. It's, it remains a block. Um, we kind of hold on to it and sort of self-protect against it. So that is certainly one of the blocks. I think that most, most of us have to at least, I think we all have them when we come out of divorce. And I think we all need to put a little focus on that and, and really process through those. What tips would you have for someone on how to work through resentment? So again, I think resentment is one of those areas too, where when we are able to kind of look at ourselves and see where did we bleed our power? You know, where did we not show up in our strength? Or where did we not say something that we needed to say or do something that we needed to do? Um, you start to kind of see a lot of our resentment is really kind of sourced from, you know, the way we showed up. Um, And when you're able to kind of look at that and say, all right, well, here's how I was a co-creator of this, right? 
It wasn't all this person. I wasn't a victim of it. I was a co-creator in it. You can start to make amends first and foremost to yourself and then begin to forgive and let that resentment go. How long do you uh, find uh, the grieving process lasts and what factors play into the length of time someone needs to go through the grieving process? Yeah, it's different for everybody. Um, I think grief has to go as long as it has to go. Um, And sometimes it's longer for others than, you know. And I think a big factor, though, is are you going through the, the, you know, the heartbreak, the, the transition, the grief process, you know, in a conscious and thoughtful way? Or are you going through it more where you're kind of, um, you know, shutting down, maybe distracting, uh, you know, drinking, kind of numbing, right? I think it really depends on your approach to it. Right. Um, Right. So I know for me, like it took forever. I, you know, I thought I was doing everything right. You know, I was doing the healing methods and I was meditating and I was doing everything quote unquote, right. But I was still standing in so much on blame and victimization that none of that really could get through. And so for me, the grief was a lot longer than it really needed to be. Had I been in a process with somebody guiding me through in a conscious way. Does the length of the relationship have any effect on the the grieving process or the length of time? You know, I'm not so sure because I've worked with clients who have, you know, in both ways, who've been together a very long time and going through the process together was, you know, I mean, it's still painful and there's still grief, but, you know, it was, it was relatively smooth. And then I've gone through the process with women who have had this like, you know, one of those relationships where your world gets turned upside down and it's three months and it's a whirlwind and like you're broke, you know, broken open. And that three month relationship is devastating. And the grief is just, you know, a a more prolonged grief. Um, I honestly think the grief that comes up from, you know, the, the divorce or breakup is actually this, you know, it's about the relationship, obviously, but I also believe that it brings up um, grief, like older grief in our life, whether it's from childhood or from adulthood or teenage years or whatever, but it, it's this sort of opportunity to heal things that maybe we haven't healed in the past. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. fear of abandonment issue, you know, a lot of people grow up with those types of fears and mm-hmm. I guess, you know, that could be triggered by a separation or divorce and, you know, kind of bring up those deep seated feelings. So I think what yeah. you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just, it's such an opportunity when we look at it that way um, to, you know, to really just to heal to heal so many parts of us that maybe wouldn't have been triggered without, you know, without the, the divorce or the breakup. That's so true. It's, a, it's like, it's an opportunity to become, to grow and become an even better, you know, person than you would have been had the relationship, um, you know, maybe not ended and mm-hmm. you didn't have to do the work, the inner work that you had to do. How does somebody know when they're ready to date again? Mm. 
That is a good question. I would say my feeling about dating <clears throat> is if you can find yourself in a place where you are ready to date to, to become more of who you are, right? To like, you're ready to date because it's going to feed your soul and help you to become love, right? Add to your expansion, add to, to who you are, as opposed to dating to find it. And I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it's like less when you're at this place, when you're, you're ready to just expand and, and, and not look to somebody else to fill you up. Yeah, not look to somebody else to make you happy. You're, you know, you recognize you're responsible for your own happiness. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I had this moment because I've been, you know, single, single for a long time and I've gone through so many phases of dating. And I had this moment a couple of years ago where I just finally kind of looked at dating and I was like, wow, like, I get to date, like I get to sit across from another human being that I would have never known if I weren't dating and whether it works out or not, I get to learn about him. I get to yeah. most likely learn something about myself, right? Or expand in some way because I get to be across from this human. And it was such like this light bulb moment for me because I realized I'm not dating anymore to be sort of rescued or filled up or to meet the the person right to meet the one but I'm really dating to just expand into life more um, right to meet yes. people that are interesting or that you know might you, you might enjoy their company it doesn't have to be you know necessarily your that you've met your soulmate although that's always nice um (laughs) and and that i guess that leads to another question i have about the dating is does it matter what type of dating like you know some people after a long relationship um you know almost like want to or feel a need to casually date for a while and then other people you know jump right into another serious monogamous long-term relationship is there if if you're coming out of a, a marriage of you know say 10 or more years does it matter what type of dating or is it just really based on the person i always say there's no right or wrong way there's only the way of your heart and your desires um you know what's right for me isn't going to be right for you isn't going to be right for the next person The one thing I would say, though, is that it's a choice, right? And just, I think the freedom in all of this is knowing that in every moment you're in choice. So, you know, think about that choice. Am I choosing to casually date because I'm distracting myself from feeling? Am I choosing to jump into another, you know, monogamous, serious partnership because I can't be alone, right? Really being in tune with the choice and the intention behind it, um, I think is sort of the key component. But if you're, you know, if if your choice is to, to date casually and that's something that you need in your life right now and that's just kind of where you are and that feels right for you, then I say go for it, right? Like, yeah. 
No, I think I, I like I know with my own journey, um, I when my marriage ended, I'd you know been with my husband for I guess 12 years and I was with someone for six years before him. And so I really hadn't dated a lot of different people. And I think I needed to go through a phase of dating a lot of different people, although at the time I was doing it because I couldn't be I couldn't handle being alone. So it wasn't coming from you know, a healthy space or a good intention. Um, good isn't maybe the right word, but a healthy intention. Um, and, but I, you know, when I got through that phase, I recognized that it, I think, you know, it just was something I needed to, to go through as part of my own, you know, development, but yeah. not to say that everyone needs to do that. But I, I do, I noticed in friends that I have or, um, you know, that often if they've been in a long, a rather lengthy relationship, it's kind of, they seem to need some time to just have more casual relationships before they jump into, you know, something more serious again. But again, I think, as you said, I think it really, it's very individual and it, it I guess where, where it's coming from is more important than what someone's actually doing. Yeah. And, and look, if, if, you know, again, it's choice, right. And I always say, just be aware of your choice. You know, it's like, if, if you can be conscious of what you're choosing instead of kind of sleepwalking through it, I think that's the power, right? Because exactly what you're saying, I mean, I was in a very long marriage as well, and I, um, I needed a couple things, you know, I needed to be completely alone for a while. And yeah. then like you, I needed to date a lot of people. Um, and I think, you know, there is no right or wrong but the awareness of, all right, well, what, you know, what am I going to choose here rather than sort of feeling like, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions or doing, doing things because you just don't know what else to do. Yeah. Or doing it to avoid feeling emotions or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, a lot of what we talked about today has been focused on women. um, But do you work with any male clients or do you just work with female clients? I just work with women. Yeah. Okay. Now I would guess though that um, some of, you know, the stuff we're talking about would certainly apply to men as well. Um, You know, in my own experience, I find it seems to more often be women who lose their identity in a marriage than, than men do. But, you know, there may be some who do as well and, and, you know, but certain, certainly they may need to rediscover themselves as a a single person um, and, Mm -hmm. and reconnect with that person. I don't know if you have any thoughts or, you know, advice, you know, for the men out there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we use the same terminology as men, you know, I think we kind of have different language around it. But I don't know, I think men can, you know, after a marriage, I think, or a breakup or anything like that, I think they are affected. You know, I think that they do hurt deeply, they might be able to um, maybe compartmentalize it a little bit differently, um, or process it a little bit differently. But I do think that there is space for personal growth for men, um, as they go through this as well. And, you know, as a woman, I can say that there's nothing more attractive than a man who has invested in his own personal growth, you know, who has gone through, whether, you know, some sort of challenge, whether it's a a divorce or, you know, losing a a job or whatever, but really kind of gone through something in a way that has allowed him to 
um, take personal responsibility in the way that we have and grow as a human being, there's nothing more attractive. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I do think it, it can be more challenging for men just in the sense that women seem to be more open to, you know, discussing their feelings and sharing mm -hmm. them and, you know, and working with people like you and, and things like that. Whereas men aren't as inclined that way, um, you know, I guess through socialization. Um, and so they often, you know, don't reach out for help. They don't share their feelings and they may feel more alone and isolated and have a hard, harder time doing the healing they need to do. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to lead their best life. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I hope that's changing. I really do. I mean, if there are men listening, I really hope that's changing and that men are starting to feel a little <laughs> bit more safe to share their feelings and reach out for help. Um, yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I think we're making some progress. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it only looks positive that way for the future. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you've been a wealth of information and I think it's, you provide a lot of helpful advice and tips uh, for listeners. So if they want to reach you or work with you or learn more about um, you and what you do, how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me. My website is genjoycoaching.com. It's J-E-N-N joycoaching.com. I'm also on Instagram at genjoycoaching. Um, and I am about to be launching in a few weeks, a, a group membership program, which I'm super excited about. Um, I will be kind of posting details and stuff over the next few weeks, but I'm really excited to be able to offer people, you know, coaching and community, um, guidance, wisdom, mentorship, all of that at a, at, you know, in a way that's accessible for people, um, you know, at all levels. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to let people know about that in the next few weeks. So that's fantastic. I think that'll be a great resource for people. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you. Uh, thank, you. thank you for thank having me. <laughs> my pleasure. And thank you to the listeners. Um, uh, please like subscribe, listen, and uh, thank you for joining the Divorcing Well podcast. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.